born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. So here in the book of Luke, and many have tried to apply this too uh, when we get to heaven. And so he makes a statement here. Uh, Let's just start there in verse 46, where he says, The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him asunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. See there, it's right there in the Bible. And then he makes this statement, But he that knew not and did not commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. So what's the parable supposed to mean? Well, I believe it goes all the way back down to verse 40 where he's talking about Be ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. And then he uses a a story to teach that some people are not prepared and not ready. But this is what people do to people. This is what he says, what men shall be much and to whom men have committed much. So this is men working with men with a person in authority over them. And this is what they will do. It doesn't mean this is what he will do, but there is going to be a responsibility that the rewards that you get will be according to the light that you have and according to what you did do. And then you will not get what you would like to have. So take your Bible real quick and turn all the way over there to the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. So here in chapter 5 and verse 10, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And that word bad is the word useless or worthless. Things that will be the hay, wood, and the stubble that will be burned up, burned away. That's a wasted life. But I do not believe this is a rewarding stand. This is not a place where you're going to be punished. If this was true, most Christians would despise the coming of Christ. I'm looking for Christ to come back. And I'm not afraid that he's going to beat the tar out of me in front of everybody and lay stripes on my back and I'm going to suffer. No, that's what happens to the lost people. 
not to God's children. And so, no, I don't, I don't believe that. But knowing, therefore, we persuade people because we want people to have eternal life. But anyway, um, she also goes on here. Yeah, it was a lady that wrote this. And she says, But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. Also, Deuteronomy 25, 2. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy in chapter 25. Look there, first of all, in verse 1. In verse 1. Now, this is talking about how they're supposed to take care of some judgment and going before a, a judge and so on. If there be a controversy between men and they come unto judgment, that the judges may judge them, then they shall justify the righteous, condemn the wicked. Now, wouldn't it be neat if those in Congress and all the judges would recognize the power of that verse? And it simply says, justify the righteous, condemn the wicked. But I think it's reversed today. I think the person that does right is the one that's in trouble, and the people that do wrong, they get a free pass. But anyway, and it shall be if the wicked man be worthy to be beaten that the judge shall cause him to lie down and to be beaten before his face according to his fault by a certain number. So if a man is worthy of it, this is what he's supposed to do. But this isn't talking about how to go to heaven. This is talking about men doing right by those that are righteous and doing right by those that are wicked. And those that are wicked, this is punishment, this is here, and this is now. Over in Luke, that is here and that is now. This is what the Lord did to those that he had as servants for his, and some were faithful, some were not. And this is what they did to them in this life, not in the one to come. And so whenever you heard about Jesus Christ, he was beaten with the cat of nine tails 39 times. The reason they do it 39 times because they don't want to go over 40, and they don't want to miscount. And so in verse 3, 40 stripes he may give him and not exceed, not to go over that. So it's talking about their civil laws of what they had. They had moral laws, civil laws, and they had the uh, sacrificial laws. And so you don't take those laws and try to put them into salvation. You really will get balled up. All right? And uh, this is something that she says. Is that for the believers for the judgment day, a seat day? Is that for people does not love the Lord and do not serve the Lord will get beaten with many stripes? Is that for people? Well, I hope that I answered that question. Got something else here I'm going to share with you. Somebody sent this to me, and I think it's good. They call it the Canadian Editorial Humor, directed at the United States. It says, makes you wonder. It says, only in America could politicians talk about the greed of the rich at a $35,000 a plate campaign fundraising event. Only in America could people claim that the government still discriminates against black Americans 
when they have a black president, a black attorney general, and roughly 20% of the federal workforce is black, while only 14% of the population is black. 40% plus of all federal entitlements go to black Americans, three times the rate that go to whites, five times the rate that goes to the Hispanic. And they say that we're against them. No. Only in America could they have had the two people most responsible for our tax code, Timothy Geithner, the head of the Treasury Department, and Charles Rangel, who once ran the Ways and Means Committee, both turn out to be tax cheats who are in favor of higher taxes. But only in America can they have terrorists kill people in the name of Allah and have the media primarily react by fretting that Muslims might be harmed by the backlash. Only in America would they make people who want to legally become American citizens wait for years in their home countries and pay tens of thousands of dollars for the privilege while they discuss letting anyone who sneaks into the country illegally just magically become American citizens. But somebody from Canada wrote that and thought, America is funny, and that they do the funniest things. Only in America could the people who believe in balancing the budget and sticking by the country's constitution be thought of as extremists. And they are. Only in America could you need to present a driver's license to cash a check or buy alcohol, but not to vote. Only in America could people demand the government investigate whether oil companies are gouging the public because the price of gas went up when the return of equity invested in a major United States oil company, Marathon Oil, is less than half of a company making tennis shoes, Nike. Only in America could the government collect more tax dollars than any nation in recorded history, still spend a trillion dollars more than it had per year, for total spending of $7 million per minute, and complain that it doesn't have nearly enough money. Only in America could the rich people, who pay 86% of all the income taxes, be accused of not paying their fair share by people who don't pay any at all. The ones that don't pay any at all are complaining about those that do pay of not paying enough. What a world we live in. What a world. I asked the, uh, the guy today, I said, what, anybody got a question? And so the guy asked the question. He says, why does anybody want to go to heaven? Why does anybody want to go to heaven? And I says, the best reason to want to go to heaven is so that you don't go to hell. There's only two places. And it's appointed unto every man once to die. And I says, once you're dead, whatever you believed is sealed. You're either a believer or an unbeliever. You don't get a second chance. And to know that you have eternal life and know that you're going to heaven is one of the most wonderful things in the world. But let me mention this to you. When he asked the question about why should I want to go to heaven, all I want to do is take care of my family. 
And evidently, he really loves his family. I said, well, let me mention this to you. I said, I love my family. I love my wife. I love my kids, my grandkids. I says, but I could leave them maybe something to, to get along on. And maybe they'll do very fine. I says, but if, if I really love them, the last thing I want to ever happen to them is for them to go to hell. So I believe that for their sake and peace of mind, I want them to know that their dad, husband, grandfather, whatever I am, I want them to know I went to heaven. I want them to know I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I'm not ashamed to say it. And I want them to know that. And I also want them to know that they have eternal life and go to heaven. And so I made sure that all of them have. And I says, you on the other hand, if you were to die right now and I had to do your funeral, where would I tell people you went? And he just looked at me a little bit. And then he got off the subject. I said, no, no, no. Let's wait a minute. Where do I tell people you went? I says, no. You might think that you're doing a wonderful thing by providing finances and a house and cars and all that for your family. That's nice. But if they love you, do they want you to go to hell? And if you love them, do you, you want them to go to hell? I says, because whether you like it or you don't like it, I says, if you were to die right now, wouldn't it be a shame for you to spend an eternity in hell when you could have trusted the Lord? I says, you're 80 years old, aren't you? He says, yes, he's 80 years old. I said, when I was 18 years old, I trusted Christ as my Savior. And all I did was hear it one time. I says, you want to hear more. You got more questions. You want to get all your questions answered. I says, you won't live long enough to get all of your answers to your questions. Nobody does. I says, you have to accept what God says. And then he'll give you more truth, more light. But you must believe what he does say. He says that you're a sinner. Got a problem with that. And you must believe that when Jesus Christ came into the world, that was God in the flesh. And that he loved you and he paid for your sins. And if you believe it, that he'll give you eternal life. I says, no. everything else, it doesn't mount to a hill of beans. The most important thing you can ever know, ever do, is will you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? And so that's when I looked at him and I asked, will you right now? And he said, no. And I wanted him to know. I says, I want you to know this. I says, that hurts me. I says, wouldn't it be a shame you die and go to hell and you have to face God one day and God looks at you and says, I had a preacher who pleaded with you week after week after week and you wouldn't listen to him. You didn't believe what he told you and you're going to be in hell for all eternity to think about what you've been told and it didn't have to be this way. And I'm telling you, that, that hurts me. So I looked at him, I told him, I said, do me a favor. He said, what's that? And the other people sitting there. I said, don't die. He just smiled a little bit. I said, because you can't control that, can you? No, 
So you might die before you get out of here. You may not live to see 81. It says, and it doesn't have to be that way. God will give you the free gift of everlasting life. And I went over it again and again. And I, I want you all to definitely pray for this guy. He's 80 years old. And he, just numerically, he doesn't have a lot of time left. And one of these days, it's going to be over. And I, I like doing funerals. I do and I don't. I have mixed emotions about it. I like it because it gives me a chance to reach somebody else that probably never go to church. I've had people tell me, say, Yankee, when I die, you're doing my funeral. You're doing my funeral. You're doing my funeral. And then whenever they die, they didn't tell anybody. And I can't make myself get up there and do their funeral because the family does it. And so I told him, I says, if you want me to do your funeral, you better talk to somebody and tell somebody else that's going to be in charge and make sure that they know that. Because so many people, they miss the greatest opportunity in the world is have somebody that knows the gospel, preach the gospel at your funeral. Don't waste that. Who did they have come and do Dr. Hank Lindstrom's funeral? Just the greatest soul winner in the world today, or it was for a while anyway, because he led Hank to the Lord. And Ray is one, if, if when Ray was in his prime, if there was anybody you wanted to have trust the Lord, and you only had one man that could do it in a short period of time, Ray Stanford was the man. There was something about the way he would do it that would get people to trust the Lord. Let me tell you this. I mentioned it in college class, but Mel's Carbonell and Wally Morello got to be the first co-directors of Ranch for Ray because Ray got busy, had a lot of things to do, so he had to have some help in Ranch. So he had these two college kids, Mel's and Wally, be the co-directors of Ranch. So Mel's was going to have to speak in Ranch one night. Ray was going to be flying someplace, and he was going with these spokesmen and stuff, going into schools. So Mel's got in there. He said, Yankee, pray for me tonight. He said, I'm scared to death. I'm just, I'm, I'm just he, was like, he was a wreck. But he got to speak in the ranch. This is the granddaddy of all the ranches. This was the ranch, the Miami High Ranch. So they did the Firehouse Five. Everything was great. And Mel's got up there to speak. He did great. He used every salvation verse right. He did it right. He told jokes just right. He had him look at the scriptures. Everything he did was right on the money. He had everybody bow their head and he gave the gospel. And he pleaded with people to trust Christ as Savior. And not a soul raised their hand. It devastated him. And so after it was over, he came up to me and he said, Yankee, what did, what did I do wrong? I said, Mel, you didn't do anything wrong. He said, I had to do something wrong. Not a soul raised their hand. He says, and there's new kids. Now, some of the college kids, they'll still talk to them. They have some trust in the Lord. But in the meeting, it just broke his heart. So Ray had to go out the next week, and so Mel's got to speak again. And so Mel's just said, I'm going to really do a good job this week. And I was pulling for him. And me and Mel's were pretty good friends. And so Mel's is in there, and they, he played the banjo. And everything was going great. And... He told some funny jokes, and everything was great. He told the verses, and he went through the wallet illustration, did it all. Gave the invitation, and not a soul. 
when he got through, he came out, he, he was crying. He had tears in his eyes. He just couldn't understand it. Because every night when Ray would speak, there's always five or ten people raised their hand. Oh, all the time. Ray came back, and the next week, Ray goes in the ranch. They did their firehouse five. Ray would play the bass. He just played the bass. He didn't lead the singing. He always had uh, Wally and, uh, and Hank and some of the others that would lead the singing. And so Ray got up there, and he told a few war stories, you know, about being bombed over there and almost, uh, you know, going down to the beer city and drinking and all that. And uh, he talked on and on, talked about going to the schools and blah, 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 and, like and just kind of, you know, just off-the-cuff stuff. And then right at the end, he said, oh, um, maybe I want it. And he just went through it like that. And let's have a word of prayer. He gave the invitation to about five or ten people to trust the Lord. It always did. There is something about certain people that God uses, even though the power is in the gospel, but God also uses the man. And it's just something about the way Ray Stanford did it. And everybody knew it. We couldn't put our finger on it. We could never understand what made it different for him. Now, Hank was a good soul winner. I've been a good soul winner. Wally and Mel's, all of them. But nobody liked Ray because we learned from Ray. But why Ray could do it, we never could figure it out. But we just know that there was something about the way that he talked or the way that he did something. But God just blessed him, just blessed him with soul. And I asked him one time after he'd left the college, and I said, Ray, why do you think that happened? He says, God's honored me because I've been faithful to the gospel, because I've been faithful to do it all these years. And there's just something that he, because he was faithful to the gospel, he says, that's the only reason God ever blessed me. The only reason that college grew is because of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. He said, I milked it to death. He says, I even got Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 engraved on his, had a gold thing on his tooth. And they put Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 engraved on his, inside of his tooth. I should have said, Jane, I want that tooth. Didn't even think of it then. And then, then there's sometimes that I'll give the gospel and I'll try to make it as clear as I possibly can and not a soul trust the Lord. And then I'll walk to the back and I'll meet a new person. I'll talk to them and they trust the Lord just like that. And then one day, a couple of weeks ago, I led one to the Lord right here. And then somebody else. And then Peter was talking to somebody the other day. So don't just take it for granted because if they didn't raise their hand, that means everybody's saved. Ah, uh, no. A person ought not be able to come into this church, even sit through a meeting, even if they hear the gospel. They ought not get out of those doors unless somebody talks to them. Don't you think so? Don't you think somebody ought to personally talk to them? Even if you have to do the famous spy technique. Now here's the, the spy technique. When you're sitting there, every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. That's everybody but a good soul winner. And so when you bow your head, you always do it like this. Now it's better you do it like this. And you try to, Tom, you stay out of this. You try to sit, and if you can, with those in front of you, don't turn around and look. And you'll see some person looking right back at you. 
there is a technique. And if you do it a certain way, you can look up and down the row and you can see a couple rows. And it's always the person here that runs all the way across the room and gets a person back there. Now, wherever you're sitting, take advantage of the opportunity. Be looking. Because even though the gospel is made clear, even if somebody raised their hand, they still need somebody to talk to them. Say, did, did what the preacher say today, did it make sense to you? Well, can I ask you, do you have any questions that you'd like to have answered? Or can I help you in any way? Just go and be friendly. You don't have, it's not an attack. It's just an approach. It's a, but you've got to use some tact to it. And some people use so much tact that people never get the point. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. And we all have sin on us. Now, God says that he loves us and he hates our sin. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. So everybody in the whole world is condemned. But God says he loves us and he wants us to go to heaven. But see, we can't go to heaven with sin. We've got to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are good enough. So we cannot earn our way to heaven. We need a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. God in the flesh came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us. I can't get to him. He can't get to me because of sin. So what Christ did was take the sin, pay for it on the cross, come back from the dead. Now see, we need to be as perfect, as righteous as God to go to heaven, but we're not. Even though our sins were paid, that doesn't give us eternal life. The payment is not put to your account. I should say also that the righteousness of God is not put to your account until you believe. Romans chapter 4. It shall be imputed if we believe. So when you believe that he did this for you, he imputes his righteousness to your accounts. He can't give his righteousness to you unless these are paid. This has to be done. Raised for our justification. He gives you his righteousness and you and I get to go to heaven. On what Jesus Christ did for us. For he God hath made him Jesus Christ. Who knew no sin. To be sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God. In him. Let's pray shall we. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And no one looking around. But if you are here tonight. And you've never trusted Christ as your savior. Or if you're watching by internet. And we know there's many people that watch. There's no tricks to this. No gimmick. All we want you to do is the only thing that you can do. And that is, will you believe that when Christ died, he died for you? Will you believe he paid for your sins? And if you'll believe that, then God said he would save you from hell, give you eternal life, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. And friend, if you'll believe that, would you, would you tell somebody? Tell your loved ones. Because you never know how long you're going to live. And they ought to know where you will spend eternity. Is there anyone all before we close? Say, yes, pray for me. I will trust Christ as my Savior. Here in the audience, just raise your hand. Anyone at all? Our Father, we do thank you so much for your love and care and all your provisions for us. We thank you for the opportunity we have to reach so many people, even though they're not inside the walls of this church. And for all the letters and the emails that I get. And Father, sometimes it seems like I get swamped. But, Lord, I appreciate every one of them. There's such a joy and a thrill just to see the great need, which means that we've got to have a, 
a Bible Institute. We've got to have a college. We've got to have kids. We've got to train people. There's so many places that don't have a clear church, a gospel preaching church. And we just thank you so much for those that have come here and help us to do it the best we can with them, to teach them, protect them, Lord. We thank you for all you've done for us. In Christ's name, amen. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me